Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Simi Singh. She is a senior partner at global talent advisory firm Egon Zender. And in her 12 years at the firm, she's played a founding and leadership role in the firm's digital and health work across North America. Simi also helped create and shape the firm's work with founder-led companies and played a founding role in shaping the firm's presence in Washington, D.C. She's an expert on governance and leadership development globally, counseling investors, founders, and boards on governance matters, board appointments, leadership development, and CEO successions. She has a talent for helping companies to rapidly scale and maximize their potential as they transform and has worked in and with some of the most game-changing companies of the past two decades. She served as a senior advisor on health innovation to the U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services during 2011 and 2012. And she's a frequent speaker and convener at industry events and has lectured at Yale and MIT. So with that outstanding intro, I want to welcome you to the podcast, Simi. Thanks so much for joining us. Saul, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to our discussion. Likewise. And so, Simi, you know, the work that you do is so fascinating and you're making quite an impact. Tell us a little bit about what inspires your work in healthcare. You know, put simply, it's, I can't imagine a purpose that is higher and more inspiring and more humbling than somehow helping nurse people back to health and helping keep them healthy. In so many ways, this purpose-driven life that I have in healthcare wasn't evident to me growing up. You know, as a kid, I first thought I wanted to join the military. My dad was in the military and I really looked up to him. I then thought I was going to be a history teacher in the mold of my mother. But I remember my impressions of healthcare were always one of reverence. My grandfather was a renowned surgeon in the Western tradition. My great-grandfather had been a renowned Eastern medicine healer. And yet when I went to college, I majored in the sciences, but I spent every waking moment outside of school in a pursuit of the arts. So safe to say that by the time I hit grad school, I was truly intellectually homeless. And then two amazing things happened. I happened to take a class in healthcare finance at Case in Cleveland from Professor J.B. Silver on health economics. And I took another class in health technology with Professor Dowling. And what I found in both those classes was this industry where every problem had layers and where the problems defied easy answers. It's such an affair of head and heart, isn't it, when it comes to healthcare? I mean, I remember the futurist Ian Morrison used to say that when it comes to healthcare, half of us are Republican and the other half of us are Canadian. And, <laughs> and I think that as we struggle so much with how to really come at effective compromises in healthcare, there's always a true north which is that we have the ability to heal people. 
as I started into a career in healthcare, another game-changing thing happened that kept me tethered to this industry for life. And that is that my beloved father, who was an incredible feminist and a mentor of mine, had his life inadvertently, grievously hurt by a preventable medical error. And it was in that moment that I thought everything that we all do comes down to that, the ability to heal, the wisdom and the humility to know what we do right and do wrong. And I think that when you're looking for passion and purpose, I found it hard to tear myself away from healthcare. I've tried often, but I always come back. Wow, that's quite the journey. And really appreciate you sharing it with us, Simi. And I could hear your passion. I could feel it. And so you're, yeah. And so, you know, we are all faced with health challenges, whether our family, our community, it's a very real thing. And leaders that are in the industry need to make a difference. And having the empathy that you have is key. Tell us a little bit about Egon Zender and some of the work that you guys are doing to help improve outcomes and help innovate on those business models. Thank you for that. You know, in no year more than 2020 in recent history, right, have we been reminded of how important leadership is when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to this incredible good that some of us consider a privilege and we all know is a right as well. What's interesting about Egon Zender is that it's a founder-created firm. We've got a history of nearly 55 years. And when our founder created us, he really did so as a student of people, knowing that making inspired leadership decisions makes all of the difference in the world. There's many Harvard case studies about our firm. We have an incredible culture. But our goal remains true to the goals that our founder had, which is to be a student of people to help catalyze the ability of those leaders to be deeply effective in everything that they do. So our goal very much is to come at our business as advisors on critical leadership and succession matters, but also as students and as coaches. And I think that we see the fact that leadership is more complex than ever before. You have to lead with your heart, with your mind. You have to create cultures that create a sense of belonging in everyone who works in your organization and all of the different stakeholders you touch. And so our work is wide-ranging and very quiet in many ways because we work with leaders on grappling both with their dreams and their demons. We work with businesses to make sure that the people at the helm are worthy of followership. Because, you know, there's a lot of discussion of leadership, but there is no leader without people wanting to follow them, right? And followership requires personal security. It requires a real understanding of yourself, of your identity and your motivation. And so we're students of people first and foremost, and I'm privileged to be part of our family. Yeah, that is so interesting. And, you know, we're going through a lot of change right now. And, you know, you talk about leadership and feeling like you're worthy of leading an organization? Do you have the confidence to make it through this challenging time? I mean, the time has never been like a greater test. And so I'd love to hear more about what you guys are doing to help leaders in this respect. And how is it different than what's available? You know, it's it's a really good point, right? I mean, I think there are so many wonderful approaches to leadership development and to talent problems that I would, you know, hesitate to say that there's something that we do that's uniquely better. I do, however, believe with all my heart that our approach is deeply distinctive. And it's distinctive because we have learned that 
it's really important to approach the world of talent, not as brokers of talent, not as leaders who are connected, who are, you know, connecting the influential and the connected to their next best opportunity. Those things are really important. But what's really important is to see patterns that are not obvious to others, patterns in leaders about what holds them back, patterns in organizations about how they might improve their culture, and to help both leaders and organizations take calculated risks and make calculated bets on each other's potential, right? Because for too long, you can always, you know, effectively poach somebody from one legendary organization to go to the other to do the same job. And essentially, that mobility, God bless it, is the fabric of U.S. capitalism, and I heartily endorse it. But what's really important is that you know, growing the redwoods, right? If you look at the California redwoods, where's the secret? Yeah. It's in the soil that you don't see. And tilling the soil in order to plant fertile crops in it is what's really important. And so I believe that our approach in leadership is all about where are you rooted, right? It's not just what you have done, but it's your identity. Who are you? How are you wired? Do you really, really listen? Are you capable of self-growth? Why do you do what you do and what motivates you? Because I think if we are not avid students of ourselves and incredibly introspective and humbled by the opportunity handed to us to lead others, then in today's world, we are not the leaders for our time. And so what we've tried very hard to do and we work at constantly is that we like to really look at leaders most in their fullest sense for who they are, why they are who they are, what motivates them. And we're pretty fanatical in that sense about fit. We also believe that while talent and executive search is a crown jewel in our offering, we are not there to just lift leaders out of organizations and drop them off at the door. We are there to accompany them in their success to help them be rooted in organizations. So we think a lot, not just about potential, but how it will land. We think not just about the reality in the head of the organization's leaders or in the head of the new incoming candidate but how they'll fit with each other. And so really being involved across the continuum of development, of search, of governance, but how it will land and what impact it will have is what keeps us honest every day and what keeps us motivated. That's really thoughtful. And Simi, you're a leader, you're a technologist. And so what you're doing at Egon Zender is also very interesting. You know, in, in healthcare, we're looking at the digital transformation of our system. And it's happening quite quickly, especially with the circumstances that we're in. How are you guys using digital transformation and things like that to evolve your business and add more value? You know, that is such a good question, right? And I think I'll provide sort of an outside in answer about how this is informing how we work outside. And then I'll talk about our firm as well. The way that it's informing how we work on the outside, in many ways, you know, I thought like an intersectional thinker long before I had coined that term or used it to describe what was going on in my head, right? Mm -hmm. Because in so many ways, the truth is that so many of us grow up on islands and others of us live on the bridges between them. And I think that it is so important in healthcare and in digital transformation to realize that those of us who are board certified bridge dwellers have an enormous amount to add. Because look, healthcare is 20% of the U.S. economy and growing, mm -hmm. but there are so many leaders in healthcare that have grown up in one silo, right? 
And yet digital transformation, and indeed that the age we are in, requires people who have spent time in so many different sectors, who can see beyond the boundaries of their own experience, who can connect the dots and visualize a very different future, and who can bring together technology to do so. And I realized a long time ago that the answers are not just in the heads of healthcare experts and not just in the heads of technologists. But they're also buried in policy at a national, federal, global, state, and local level. They're hugely buried in the consumer sector where people really understand engagement, right? I've learned so much from social media and engagement. I've learned a tremendous amount from the consumer sector, a lot from healthcare and how it defies simple answers and the scientific beauty of what happens, but also the art form that physicians and clinicians use every day to diagnose patients who are distinctive and different from each other. And so to me, what we're really doing when it comes to digital transformation is to work really closely at the intersection of all those elements and to be very focused, but to be highly intentional in looking for problems that are not necessarily in one box or the other, but in the Venn diagram between those. What helps us as a firm, and that translates back into who we are, is that we have one global P&L. We have no individual metrics that we use to really study each other. And it's a lot of what's behind the case studies about us. And the reason is that we believe hugely in our connective wisdom as a firm. And so that means that it's very common for one of us to say, hey, we're you know, doing something for the IMF or the World Bank or the Gates Foundation or for Pfizer or for Blue Cross Blue Shield. But what is it that our peers serving different industry groups, our community of experts outside the firm have to teach us about how we can solve a problem? And so part of it is connective wisdom. And what's really interesting is that, you know, I think technology is an amazing adjunct to individuals, but it doesn't replace individual judgment. So we have all kinds of ways in which we connect with each other, in which we exchange data, in which we preserve privacy above all measure. So that I think is a big element. But the other that I would say purely from a policy perspective is that, you know, people talk about how a crisis is a difficult thing to waste. COVID is really has provided an opportunity for us to leapfrog the development or the adoption of technology in ways that would have taken us years that happened in a matter of months, right? Telemedicine has always been this hugely important aspect of healthcare, but was confined to a niche until it became massively mainstream. When we look at the FDA for years and years and years, clinical trials have been the only place where a lot of data has come from in order for us to develop therapies. And yet today, we have you know, through efforts of the Office of the National Coordinator, through efforts of the government, both in the Republican administration and the Democratic administration before, through the groundbreaking work that people like Amy Abernethy and others are doing at the FDA, we are really transforming how real-world evidence comes together and how these stories of the humans that come into healthcare can be translated into data that's actually cleansed and worthy of being able to be used in a therapeutic fashion at lightning speed compared to what was possible before. So I think everywhere that we look in healthcare, the importance of intersectional thinking is, I think, a true guide to what is the art of the possible. We have to bring in the machine learning people and the AI people and the medical ethicists and the geneticists and the entrepreneurs together in a room to solve problems that are too big for each of us, but that are truly can be inspired and informed by us as a collective. Oh, wow. 
You've certainly given this a lot of thought to me, and I love that. You know, and your expression of it, the illustrative islands and the bridges really brings it home. Thank you so much for that response. It was very thoughtful. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm honored to just, you know, the joy that I get every day from being able to have conversations with people who think differently. It reminds me of that amazing Mac commercial, right? I think it was when the Mac had first come to bear when they talked about the, it was called the crazy ones and it had pictures Mm -hmm. of Einstein and Gandhi and others. And I think that the best thinkers in the world are seen as crazy before their time, right? Lister, who invented antiseptic, they, you know, he was put in jail because people thought he was nuts. And yet modern day surgery (laughs) is rooted in the amazing work of Lister. So I think... I think we have to listen to the crazy one. I love it. (laughs) Great message. And Simi, when you think about, I mean, you've had such an interesting career. You've done a lot of fascinating work, led, you know, various organizations. What would you say is one of the biggest setbacks you've experienced and a key learning that's come out of that to make you even wiser? Oh my goodness. I, you know, I have a long list there. (laughs) I think that, (laughs) uh, but I'll try to pick one. I think it's such a good question, right? Because our failures teach us even more than our successes do. I mean, when you think about how we develop muscles when we're in the gym, it's by creating tiny tears in them through the stresses that we gain increased strength, right? And so scar tissue is the root of all human awakening in many ways. When I think of my setbacks, I would say that probably, you know, the first big one that I can think about was when I launched my own firm for the very first time. I've been a serial entrepreneur. I failed miserably the first time around. I was sort of a tepid success the second time around. And the third time around had found an amazing team to build an incredible company with. And we were really successful. But I think perhaps the most instructive was that first dramatic failure. And in many ways, what I do today is rooted in my incompetence at that time. I went into it with all the right intentions, you know, partnered with someone that I had worked with for a long time. We actually had a really good business model. The money was rolling in. But what we had never done was really understand who we were and how we were wired at our core, right? We knew that our skills and our experiences and our competencies fit together. But when you're employed, by a top-notch firm, you don't really get into big details of identity. And I realized when we got into business together, we wanted completely different things. We wanted to build different kinds of companies. We wanted to solve problems in different ways. We had different philosophies on integrity, on so many different things. And not to pick the flaws of anyone, but what I realized at that time when we decided to come apart was that I had to do a lot more work to study who I was, how I was wired, and what drove me to do things. So the learning that came out of that, I became an obsessive student of fit. Because I think that we hire people for what they have done in many cases and because they impress us, but we fire them or we separate with them because of who they are and who they are not and whether or not we had the ability to connect with them. So I think looking for self-awareness, looking for connections between people and not just impressions, looking to figure out whether or not there's a true fit between someone's passion and someone's purpose, in addition to all of their experience, was the biggest lesson that I learned coming out of that, both about myself and others. Yeah, it's hard. 
enough to hire the right people in your company. When you're filling the main role, you know, the CEO of a firm, gosh, I mean, it just even more challenging. And this idea of fit, you know, you, they hire you for what you could do, but then you, you let go of somebody for, for bad fit. I mean, there's a lot to think about there, folks. So, Simi, what are you most excited about today? You know, it's a strange time to be an optimist, but I actually am incredibly optimistic about the future. And I think it's not because there aren't storm clouds, right? We have huge challenges ahead of us that we have to find solutions for. What's going on with the climate? What's happening with inclusion? How do we create an enormous sense of belonging in the room? It's one thing to talk about inclusion. It's another thing to actually make sure that the people that you invite into the room feel like they belong. And I I only think of this, which is that because so much seems dark in the world of healthcare and in the world in general, that sometimes we forget to see the sources of our optimism. Look at our country. So many of us who are white collar workers have had the ability to shut ourselves down in our houses with our air conditioning. But you know what? The power comes in the water comes in, the country works. This amazing set of gig workers, God bless them, who have kept us alive and kept our trucks driven and kept our grocery stores stocked and the healthcare workers who kept us well. We have no business being pessimists when so much of humanity has kept this planet going during this year. Mm -hmm. And I think about the roaring 20s that came on the heels of the Spanish flu. And I think about the Renaissance that followed the dark ages and the plague. And I think, you know what? Times of darkness are followed by periods of extraordinary creativity. And I'm humbled and feel like if we're put on earth, then we have to do something to be worthy of what is given to us, right? Mark Twain once said that there are two of the days in our life that are the most important, the day that we were born and the day that we figure out why. And I think that we have to lean into our purpose. We come from so much privilege here in this beautiful country that we have to lean into purpose and we have to believe. Being a pessimist is something that you can do during easy times. These times are too difficult to be anything but an optimist. But we have to follow optimism with action. So I think I'll leap out of bed every day and tell my naysayer to shut up and get on with trying to make a difference in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Beautiful message, Simi. And I'm right there with you. There is so much opportunity ahead and just definitely giving credit to a lot of you folks listening that are on the front lines to Simi's point. You know, you've gotten us through this time, whether you're leading the organization or at the front line, taking care of patients. Thank you. Or if you're a technology company enabling that Thank you too. And there's a lot to be excited ahead. And the context that Simi provided is certainly inspiring. And so with that, Simi, I I can't thank you enough for your thoughtful approach and sharing the insights you have today. We're here at the end. Why don't you go ahead and leave us with the closing thought and the best place for the listeners could get in touch with you and engage with the firm for whatever opportunities may lie ahead. Well, thank you so much. You know, my closing thought is honestly to send an enormous amount of love and care out into the world. I think that every day we can draw great inspiration, not by what we can take from the world, but what we can give to it. And I I really think, you know, you go back to that Gandhi quote that so many use, but that never loses its resonance for me, which is that we should be the change that we wish to see in the world. And I 
live every day to try to be worthy of it. I don't succeed always, but I try really hard to be inspired by that. That's a great one to close with, Simi. And listeners, be sure to check out the full transcript of today's discussion on the website, outcomesrocket.health. Type in Simi in the search bar, S-I-M-M-I, or check out Egon Zender. That's egonzender.com. And you'll be able to find out even more about the great things that they do. So with that, Simi, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us and definitely looking forward to staying in touch. Indeed, Saul. It'll be a privilege. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast? No problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.